ZFA fam, welcome into another show. Welcome into the podcast. Appreciate you guys joining us. We are here with another show for your fantasy football pleasure. Today, we're going to be chopping it up with our running back rankings. Joining me, the uh, the dynamic duo that is Christian Welch at Evil Empire FF, and the guy, the the one and only Mr. Jobby Referees at NFL Robbie on the Twitter machine. Before we jump into it, I'm, I'm going to steal something off of Robbie and the TFA Dino Show. Got a little question of the day. You know, we just had the Hall of Fame game, the enshrinement, all that stuff. I want to know who is in your personal fantasy football Hall of Fame. Doesn't necessarily have to be a stud. Maybe it's a guy who you picked up off of waivers and won you a ship. I want to know if whenever you think about your fantasy football hall of fame robbie let's kick it off with you yeah yeah so i think there's a lot of guys that that win you uh leagues year after year they're the top name guys they're they're the running backs going in the first round wide receivers the stud quarterbacks right Um, but the guy that i picked and i had to re remember and go back to that year to find out how valuable he was to me this year uh was 2013 you guys will remember a name zach stacy led me to a fantasy championship. Uh, he's a guy that I probably picked off of waivers midseason, and I actually pulled up some of his stats because I had to remember, you know, how good was his year, and and it was pretty baller. He had four, five touchdowns in the regular season from week five uh, to 12 before playoffs started. He had two 100-yard games, and then in the playoffs, he goes – um, 28 for 133 and a touchdown, 33 for 104 and a touchdown and had a dud game in there as well. But uh, I remember Zach Stacy just leading me to fantasy glory. Um, that's one you won't forget, the bowling ball that was Zach Stacy. You got, got to love those those old school names that, that pop up. And didn't was he still there whenever Gurley came into the fold or no? Oh, man. I, I feel like he wasn't. Uh, they they kind of hopped around with a couple of running backs I think well, it was maybe Trey 20... Mason that was overlapping with Gurley a little bit. Trey Mason. Okay. And then... Okay. I mean, 20... we forget that Gurley's only like what twenty five or twenty six. Like it seems like he's like thirty three, but you know, it, it wasn't that the, long the ago. He's of an eighty seven year old. Yep. Yeah, <clears> they they might have overlapped a little bit there uh, in that twenty fifteen year. Uh, I think that was when Zach Stacy was on his way out. Gurley's on his way in twenty fifteen. Christian, who you got? Who is in your fantasy football Hall of Fame? For me, I'm not happy to say it because I'm a Falcons fan, but it's it's the Saints quarterback, Drew Brees. So I don't know what it is about him. You know, he he didn't deliver like a 50-point performance in a championship game for me or anything like that, but it just seems when I look at every championship team I've had over the years, there's Drew Brees sitting there at quarterback. Uh, I know for a fact he was the quarterback on my first uh, championship team ever, so that'll always be a little nostalgic. And that probably helped me be a better fantasy uh, player overall because it allowed me to disconnect my Falcons fanhood from my fantasy teams, you know, and really just take the best players on my fantasy teams because I'm trying to win instead of having that bias. So it's got to be Drew Brees for me. Like I said, he's probably been on, you know, 50, 60% of my championship teams over the years somehow. So props to Drew Brees. For me, I'm going to bring two guys to to the discussion. You, you always remember your first, right? You, you always remember your first. I got to go with, I had the, the tandem and it, this was like early on in like my, my fantasy football career. Like I really didn't know what I was doing. So I was like super pumped when I got this and I got, I had the tandem this year of Jamal Charles and Matt Forte. And I think they both ended up finishing as like top five backs that year. 
think it might have mm. been the year that uh, that Forte had like a hundred something targets and just just absolutely crushed. That was uh, my first fantasy football championship, and I remember like having those two anchoring my uh, my my running back position. So, so I always remember your first. It's it's always a special one, right? Your your first is always it's always special. Uh, yeah, we got Jamal Charles, we got Matt Forte, we got Drew Brees, and Zach Stacy's the one that gets the most conversation from us. So <laughs> we like those sleepers here at TFA. Do, do you guys have any like uh, like obviously Robbie, you were just talking about Zach Stacy, but Christian, is there like a a waiver wire guy that you you pulled that you can remember that like you know took took your team to you know the next level or a playoff run or, or something like that? I'm sure there's one way back when. I, I do remember getting uh, Stefan Diggs off waivers earlier in his career, and he obviously has had a good career. Uh, but in, in redraft specifically, uh, Nick Chubb recently, if you all remember, he had a really slow start to that season. A lot of people dropped him. It was much later in the season that he really caught, you know, caught steam, and I was able to get him for free as well. But, um, yeah, for, for me, it would have to be some of those older ones. Maybe Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs. You know, those were some guys that went under the radar. How about how about the man who made a Madden cover off of his year, one Peyton Hillis, who is also on the Zach Stacy roster. I don't know why, because that was 2013. This is like three years removed from when Peyton Hillis was actually good. But Peyton Hillis had that 2010 year, and I also had him on my roster that year. Um, he was fantastic. Just the one-year wonder waiver wire pickup um, that was really, really good for my team. So I'll throw in a second one there. So what we're finding out here is Robbie invented zero RB in 2013. It was his idea. Yes, yes. Uh, well, that, that happens when you're just not good at drafting and you just are the most active kid who doesn't have a life that's just like picking up every running back, recycling through until one hits. Obviously not a not a deep name, but kind of on the, the Nick Chubb pantheon. But Odell Beckham's uh, rookie year, whenever he missed the, the first four games, I, and like the the next couple of games after that, he like did you know like it wasn't like Odell Beckham the way that we remember him his rookie year. So you know started off slow. What was it, like a hamstring injury or something? I, I think to to start his rookie season, and then he just absolutely blew up. Took the you know obviously took the league by storm. Ended up crushing that year, and I I won a championship that year too with him on my team. And I remember championship week. I had him and you know maybe somebody else, or maybe it was just him. I can't remember. But the 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 Sunday night game, I remember watching, and I needed you know x amount of points to to win. And by halftime, I had it because he was just having such a such a baller game. Like what what a just a, a sense of relief to like not like the Monday game didn't even matter. Sunday at halftime, I had it locked up. Like that, that is just such a such a beautiful feeling and the, the other one I'll throw in real quick CJ Anderson the, the the year that that he popped off I I think that I think both of them overlapped that year I think I picked both of those guys up from waivers and they they both carried me to uh to a ship that year let's go ahead and just jump into the meat and potatoes uh we have four four disputes four debates we're going to bounce back and forth here on the first one we are going to lead off with is going to be saquon barkley we are going to be missing a key part to this conversation with kev having him at two he has a video that is up on the youtube channel if you want to go and see how he really feels about barkley 
Kevin's not moving off of him, and he had him as his number two before the the pup list removal and all that stuff came through. Uh, Christian, you have him at four. Robbie and I both have Saquon at eight, and for Fantasy Pro's consensus ranking, he is sitting there at seven. So, Christian, you're going to have to kind of be in the driver's seat here without uh, without Kev alongside you. But uh, tell us why me and Robbie are idiots for having him at eight. I mean, it, it's Saquon Barkley. I mean, the guy's a freak. We're, we're not talking about a normal human being here. We're talking about Saquon Barkley. So I think you guys have to start off. Like, I, I, I think I think it's nuts that you guys have Barkley as far back as you do because, we're not. again, we're not talking about a normal human being here. Let me hear it from you guys first. Oh, how the turns table. I, I will take the, the mantle here. Uh, and, and again, this is this is not a we think Barkley will be bad. I think there's just enough risks where if you have him as your number two overall player and for yourself, Christian, a number four overall player, I feel much more comfortable with the other backs going in that area. So we're talking about Alvin Kamara, uh, Dalvin Cook, uh, Zeke is up there for me, Derrick Henry. Um, so those are guys that I feel more comfortable with a tier above um, where I have Barkley in more of the um, the, the tier below those guys. So uh, just to start out, obviously we have uh, coming off a, a major injury, right? We're not just talking about, as Cody's pointed out in other videos, it's not just the ACL. It was an MCL. It was a meniscus. It's kind of a full knee injury. And we've seen a ton of stats come out over the years about how it takes a little bit of time for them to get back to full operating capacity, right? Uh, a lot of backs never get back to their, to their full operating capacity. We saw AP do it. Uh, AP is probably comparable to Saquon where he's that freak of a human where he can do it for sure. Um, but we definitely have a lot of other guys, uh, a plethora of, of other guys who, who didn't get back to that, that 100%. We just saw him come off the pup list. Sure, there's you know a, a little less than a month until the season starts, but um, I think it'll take time for them to work him in fully. So I think we're starting off the season with him not getting the full workload. Um, so, so if we're talking about volume uh, and then maybe the efficiency being a little bit down from what we expect with um, Premier Barkley, that's going to drop him down a little bit with the rankings. Um, and then the big thing for me, even past the injury, is his role in the passing game, right? Like we saw Saquon with Eli Manning being an absolute target hog, seven and a half targets per game. It was fantastic. What did we see when Daniel Jones took the helm? Uh, it, we saw a, a backtrack in that. He went down to 5.5 targets per game. And that was before they added Kenny Galladay, before they drafted Kadarius Toney. Um, I'm not going to throw out you know, Kyle Rudolph or anything, but they brought in weapons, right? Because they wanted to give Daniel Jones more weapons, which means there's probably going to be a little bit more of a fight for the target share. Uh, Devontae Booker is another guy who's, who's going to see uh, um, some targets there. So I just don't think the the target share might not even hit back to the 5.5 targets per game that we saw um, him have in 2019, right? Because he's, he's out for 2020. So um, that's another issue that, that I think when you have a true alpha come in with like Kenny Galladay, you're having some issues with that target share. Um, and then third, just the offensive line. Obviously, Barkley is an, an amazing talent. This is not saying he's going to be a bust at all. But when you have probably what's going to be ranked as a 30 or, or worse offensive line, maybe even the worst of 32nd, um, we're talking about guys that were drafted high that, that have not panned out, um, just no names on this offensive line. That's just not the, the combination that you want with an injury, coming off an injury. You're putting a cap on the the ceiling for uh, for targets, and then you have a poor offensive line play. There, there, there's not that worry with some of these other top backs where I'm just going to drop him down a little bit and take some other guys above him. The only thing that I will add in here, and I actually cannot believe uh, of all people, Robbie, that you failed to mention this. 
Uh, Jason Garrett is also the OC. So you, you want to add to the offensive line woes. You want to add to you know the, the target volume not being there. With Garrett, you're talking about a guy who didn't give Zeke more than 40 targets until year three. And that was – his hand was forced at that at that point too. You know, he did jump all the way up to uh, 90-something targets. Uh, Zeke did in 2018, I think. But those 95 targets led the Cowboys. That wasn't in the plans, I don't think, to give Zeke 95 targets that year. The following year, he drops back down to like the 70s. And you had 37-year-old goddamn Jason Witten getting more targets than Zeke did the, that following year. So that like, that like, like Robbie was saying, I, when I take my first round pick, I want to feel warm and fuzzy. I want to feel cozy. I want to be able to snuggle up and, and feel good about that. And with Barkley, there's, there's just enough question marks. If, if he finishes as, as a top five option, I'm not going to be shocked at all. But if we're talking first round picks, I want to feel more confident, more safe, more secure and those guys and like the the guys that I have above Barkley, like I don't think it's egregious. Like I said, for me, it's just a combination of like all the guys I have a, a ahead of him. I feel better about whether it's volume, the overall offense, offensive line, you know, target ceiling, whatever it is. There's just like certain chinks in the Saquon Barkley armor. Is he a freak? Yes. But we also saw him at Penn State struggle with that offensive line at Penn State going up against defenses like Ohio State, where he wasn't able to always overcome his offensive line issues. So with all that said, uh, Christian, throwing it back to you now that you've now you've had time to, to sit and stew and think of your rebuttals and you know, whatever smart things you want to you want to say what you got. I don't even need to throw anything out that smart. Again, all the points you guys are making are valid if we were talking about a normal human being, but we're talking about Saquon Barkley. This guy's not a normal human being. So the injury stuff, I'm not concerned with. I mean, this guy is an Adrian Peterson type of guy that, that uh, he's going to come back from this with no problem at all. The offensive line, I mean, did, did the Giants have a great offensive line in 2018 when he scored 385 fantasy points? I don't think they did. You know, so I, to me, this guy is just bulletproof no matter what's happening. I mean, this guy is is a generational talent at running back. We've seen him approach 400 fantasy points in a season. I mean, most of the guys we're, we're, we're talking about here are trying to get to 300 points. I mean, this guy has approached a 400-point season. We've we've seen a, a ceiling that only Christian McCaffrey has equaled in, in, in recent years. I mean, you can't get this type of ceiling from anybody. We're going to talk about some other guys today that we're hoping score 300 points in a season. This guy has 385 as a rookie behind a terrible offensive line. So the Jason Garrett thing, like if you think that Kyle Rudolph is, is going to get targets that should be going to Saquon Barkley, get out of here. That That's insane. Like that this, this isn't the Cowboys drafting Zeke and bringing him up through the system and, you know, making him pay his dues or whatever. I mean, this is Jason Garrett walking into Saquon Barkley. I mean, this guy is a freak. It's talk, as far as the, the, the pass catchers and things of that nature, yeah, it's great they brought in Kenny Galladay. You know, I'm not one of these people that's just going to be like, oh, an extra guy here. I've still got to give Sterling Shepard these targets, Darius Slayton these targets. All these guys outside of Galladay are just just guys. Like Sterling Shepard is what he is. I mean, he's a poor man's Jarvis Landry. Uh, Darius Slayton is a one-trick pony. Don't even get me started on Kadarius Tony. One of the worst first-round picks we've ever seen. Um, Evan Ingram do, doing nothing with so much. I mean, none of these guys – are, are, are scaring me and getting in Saquon Barkley's way. Sure, Galladay's going to get his, 
but there is enough to go around for Saquon Barkley to still see the targets that he needs to, to be a beast in the passing game. We know he's going to get his on the ground. And, and let's talk about that first year with Daniel Jones. He didn't see the 121 targets that he saw with Eli Manning, but he, he saw 73 targets in 13 games, you know, so <clears throat> I, I don't see any way that he can't see 80, 90 targets you know, along with, you know, 1,300 yards rushing, 10 touchdowns. I mean, this is the kind of guy that you just don't overthink it on. I mean, this this is this is a freak right here. I, I will say that the the 70 targets he got was also in the year that Golden Tate played more games than Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram. So if if those other guys stay healthy, I, I don't know. I, I just I have a, I have a hard time seeing him. Like I, I think like seventy would probably be like about right. I, I, I would think. Um, should he command more? Absolutely. Should you know what I mean? But like again, this is Jason Garrett. Like, would it really surprise you if Kyle Rudolph, like, if we were slamming our head against the wall because of Jason Garrett, like wanting to get Kyle Rudolph involved? Like, like we're not talking about you know a a, a, a sensible coach here so that i think uh robbie unless you have anything else to uh to talk about we can uh we can probably move on to the next debate no i guess the, the only thing i could add to that is that you could see him get 1300 yards you could see him get nine or ten touchdowns you could see him get 80 targets and, and 60 receptions and 500 yards like that's that's what i have for him in my projections and you could still see him be the running back five or six assuming that obviously everyone has to stay healthy above him but um, you can see him do all that, and he still might not be uh, a, a top two for Kev or a top four running back for you. So I guess that's just the one thing is that this is not us saying that Saquon Barkley will be bad. There's just enough risk, and there's enough other talent at running back where you don't need to take him as that running back two or that running back four um, because of just some of the, the the concerns that we've laid out. Yeah, I mean, Penn State guy, love Saquon Barkley, but just give me some of those other guys ahead of him. One of those guys – I will start this one off. Uh, Austin Eckler, I have him at four. Christian, you have him at seven. Robbie and Kev, you have him at 11. The Fantasy Pros consensus ranking puts him at 10. Is for his ceiling? Yes. Like I, I don't. It, Austin Eckler does not have RB1 overall finish in him. But if we go back just a couple seasons ago, 2019, Austin Eckler was RB4 in PPR scoring, RB5 in half PPR. If you want to say, well, you know, all of his, uh, you know, all of his production was because of the the passing game and blah blah, he was RB eight in standard as well. Last year, if we look at the games where he was fully healthy, so the games that he started and finished, he would have been on pace for just slightly over two hundred carries, just slightly over nine hundred rushing yards. He was on pace for one hundred and thirteen targets, ninety four catches and 712 receiving yards, and he only would have had five total touchdowns. In 2019, I think maybe he had like eight receiving touchdowns and a, a, a couple of rushing touchdowns too. So the, the touchdowns and the pass-catching work kind of floated him in 2019 to that RB4 finish. Only, like I said, extrapolating it out, five total touchdowns uh, last year. Those numbers still would have put him at 287 uh, PPR points. That would have been good enough for an RB4 finish last year. Now we have an up-and-coming uh, quarterback with Justin Herbert. They fortified that offensive line with Rashawn Slater in the first, bringing in Corey Lindsley, Matt Filer, and 
who else at running back? I mean, Larry Roundtree. Like, I don't think Austin Eckler is going to go out here and be a 270 carry running back and get, you know, 100 targets or anything like that. But he has already shown that he does not need to get that that insane amount of rushing volume in order to, to give us top five finishes. So is, is RB4 his ceiling? More than likely. I, I really don't see him getting into the top, you know, cracking into the top three. This is also a guy who I do not want to mess on. Like, th- this is one of those guys where it's like, man, Austin Eckler might be there, you know, at the you know the, the, the one-two turn. I, I'm not even going to mess around with it. I want him on my teams. The pass-catching ceiling, the targets are there. Are they going to mix in guys like Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly, whoever else? Sure. But the, the targets are going to be Keenan Allen, and then I could honestly see Austin Eckler finishing second. I know Mike Williams is getting some hype. There's some hype with the, the wide receiver three battle with uh, with Josh Palmer coming in and Tyron Johnson and a couple of those other guys. But I think everything is set. Like I can look at this situation, unlike Barkley, and feel super confident, super safe with it. For me, Eckler at RB4, hashtag roast me. Yeah, uh, so on Austin Eckler, I think you're you're right, Cody, that with his his volume that he'll get through the air and and just the the lack of talent that is in that backfield to take away work from him. Uh, absolutely. He has um, uh, he's locked in for me as a running back one. The reason I can't get him as high as you, which which it's, it's possible if he gets the rushing touchdowns, because I think that's what it breaks down to. Right. Like the rushing volume and the rushing touchdowns. It's, it's what's going to make or break Austin Eckler being running back five-ish or running back 11-ish where I have him. And, and if he can jump over the the five or six rushing touchdowns and, and get up to eight, nine, 10, um, and he can get instead of 185, 195 carries, and now he's at you know 220 or something like that, that's the bump I think he needs because right now he's just he, – he's lacking 70 or 80 rushes to some of these other guys. I mean, for, for Henry, he's lacking 120 rushes. Um, but for a lot of these other guys, they're going to get 270, 280, maybe 290 with an extra game in there. Um, he's going to be down there in the 200 range, right? So he's going to be 80 carries behind these guys. And he's also probably going to be four to eight touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, that is, uh, behind those guys. So in half uh, half point PPR, which is what we're talking today, I can't get him up that high. If we're talking PPR, I think you have a much better case where he's probably going to jump up to running back seven for me. Um, and I'd bridge that gap. But half point PPR uh, it, it's it's a, just a smidge too rich, but I really do like Austin Eckler, so I can't hate on it too much. Um, he's definitely locked in running back one with that upside to jump into that at maybe top six, top seven, um, if he does get uh, that, that boom touchdown season, which we can see running backs do um, from year to year. Yeah, and you guys, you guys said most of it there. I mean, 132 carries in that 2019 season where he finished RB4. That's crazy. I mean, he only had 132 carries and finished RB4. So if he does crack the 200 mark and get to 220 or so carries, that that's nuts. I mean, if he is able to add some rushing touchdowns with that, the ceiling of RB4 that Cody's bringing up is certainly possible. You know, will that happen with the three guys they have back there? What's interesting is, you know, we don't know which one of those guys is going to be the goal line back. You know, we have no clue. Like, uh, there may be a favorite in the clubhouse, but I wouldn't know who it was. You know, I've, I've liked what I've seen out of Justin Jackson. I thought Josh Kelly disappointed a little bit. Roundtree wasn't a guy I was excited about as a prospect, but he's getting a lot of buzz now. You know, I, I have no idea what happens behind him. So kind of like what you said, Robbie, he seems to be one of the safer 
first round picks out there. I mean, this guy's going to get all the volume. I mean, I don't see any way he sees less than 100 targets. I mean, that seems guaranteed. If he, like I said, if he's able to crack that 200 carry mark and mix in some touchdowns, I mean, this is a, a an elite asset. So to play a little devil's advocate here, okay? Is here, this is what I would say? And I actually like him. I actually have him higher than because I actually updated my Sunday night, so I actually have him at uh, RB nine. So I'm actually even higher on him than that. But just to refer to a little devil's advocate here is if this Chargers offense isn't as good as what you think that it is, uh, and if Justin Herbert takes a step back from last year, we 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 have seen it happen. Soph- sophomore slumps are a real thing, and so if he is not as efficient uh, as he was last year and as good as he was last year. That is where it really affects Austin Eckler, right? You kind of look at him and Aaron Jones, and they're kind of really similar, right? They're two guys that are built off efficiency. Um, obviously, Aaron Jones is, is far more efficient than what Austin Eckler is, but he also has Aaron Rodgers, a quarterback, right? And so there's no question marks of, of that Packer offense and mm-hmm. having Aaron Rodgers and everything else that brings to the table. But with Eckler, the only thing I could say is the fact that that if that offense does take a step back, I think it could hurt him a little bit in efficiency. And I, he's not getting 220, 230, 240 carries. I don't, I don't think that happens. I just don't think he's built for that. I will say that there is a path to to where this doesn't really work out. And I will say taking him if you were sitting on the clock. Let me ask you this, Cody. If you're on the clock, are you taking Austin Eckler at four in a underdog draft that is wrapping up in the uh, in one of the puppies? Austin Eckler was my pick at five. All right. That's on the table. That's what I like to see. That's what I like to see. That's what we do here. No cold takes. All right. That's it's like like I said, there's just a guy who I who I do not want to miss out on this year. Right. RB four RB four is a ceiling. RB four is a ceiling. I, I get it. And we like we that's something that we talk about all the time is like that that's uh not necessarily a winning formula as to take guys, you know, like Derrick Henry at RB3, you're drafting him at a ceiling. He's not going to crack into the top in, into the top two. But with Austin Eckler, hashtag nuts on the table, putting him at four, drafting him as such. I will say, I will, and I will say that I think that one for, for for most people listening to this, you don't have to. You don't have to take him at four because he's there. Like no. th- to me, like my favorite place to draft right now is at the back end of the draft, like 9, 10, 11, 12, whatever, because I can get Austin Eckler and Aaron Jones. Like, I can nail both those guys if that's the way I want to go. Uh, you know, some Antonio Gibson is another option that's sitting there. Like, it's such a great place to pick uh, at that back end of the draft. And because if I because if I pick first, like first, second, third, I'm taking, you know, Saquon, obviously, for the brand, Christian McCaffrey, you know, Dalvin Cook, right? And then if when I pick on the second and third, right, I'm, not, I'm probably not taking a running back. Unless somebody falls – like Joe Mixon or somebody happens to be sitting there, I might take one. But if not, I'm going full anchor RB, and I'm and I'm taking my my early down guy. But if I'm picking at the back half of a draft, it's it's Austin Eckler, it's Aaron Jones, Antonio Gibson. Like those are my guys. Speaking of Joe Mixon. After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime Checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com goals24. Banking services and debit cards provided by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members of FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. Let's bring him to the table next. Robbie, you're going to be on the stand and facing the firing squad. You have Joe Mixon at 7. Kevin and myself have him at 12. Christian is the low man here at 14. 
Fantasy Pros Consensus ranking has him at 12. Robbie, I was in, I was in these shoes last year. I was going to say, I was going to say, you Benedict Arnold, you. You Benedict Arnold turncoat. It's you still a great place him. to be. Yeah, so so for Mixon, you were just talking about how Eckler's your you have to leave your drafts with him. You know that's that's how I feel about Mixon because we're talking about a guy that he consistently fi- finishes as a t- top twelve running back on a points per game basis year in year out. If if we're looking at a guy who who split work and, and specifically the passing game work in the past with the Bengals with Giovanni Bernard, and now you remove that, you remove basically fifty percent of that running back uh, receiving share is now gone. Now, is he going to take all of it? Absolutely not. But can he take 15% uh, more than he's been getting and and bump up his targets from 45, 48, what he's had over the last couple of years, and and bump that up to, you know, in the 60, 65 range? And now he's in that mix of a not tier one guy, but he's he's at the top of that tier two. I absolutely love that because um, this this is a guy that I think is going to get a huge workload on the ground. We're talking 275 plus carries. And then if that, that receiving work takes a tick up, I think it's going to be really, really hard to, to fade Joe Mixon. And we're talking about a guy we just said, you know, Kev, you like drafting from that second uh, or from the 10, 11, 12 spot. Guess who's that guy you can swing around in that second round and get a great value as as a running back in the second round? That's Joe Mixon. And I love where he's going at running back 12 there. So, yeah, if you're talking about all of that and then and then the weapons that, that Joe Burrow is going to have around him in the passing game so that they're not going to be able to stack that box against Joe Mixon with Chase Higgins, Boyd, man. Uh, this is just a guy that I'm absolutely excited about. Um, I need to get you back on on, on board with him, Cody, because I think this is this is a big year for him. I really don't even have too much to disagree with, to, to be completely honest. This is where, Robbie, you mentioned this in the, the seven draft tip video you did where, like, putting guys in, in tiers is so much more helpful for a ranking system than just numerical 1 to one to 12. And, you know, Kev, you were talking about that at that one-two turn, a bunch of these guys you can get. You know, they're just so closely clustered. But, Christian, I got to bring you back into this. You are sitting down at 14. What has you pushing Mixon down your rankings a bit? Well, I like Mixon, too. He's a guy I'm happy to have as my RB, too. Um, I'll, I'll echo a lot of the things Robbie said, but I just seem to disagree a little bit on the fact that the uh, participation in the passing game is going to, you know, tick up. Um, I don't see that increasing much because I see the wide receivers just getting so many targets each. I've got all all three of those guys getting over 100 targets. I mean, I just don't see there being much for for mixing there in, in in the passing game. Now he's a workhorse. I mean, like Robbie said, 275 carries is is going to happen. But you know, I just don't see him cracking more than maybe you know 50 catches at best. And I think that'll prevent him from cracking into that that very top tier. But you know, he, he's a guy I'm happy to have as my RB two. I'm just not as bullish as Robbie on on, on the receiving numbers increasing. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd say 50 receptions is, is a great season for him. If we're talking about him in the past only getting 45 or 48 targets, we're talking about you know 30 ish receptions, right? So now you you add 20 receptions on, on top of that, uh, along with the yeah, yardage. Target, targets points. is what I should have said there. I'm sorry. Gotcha. Yeah. And just to touch on, on the, the volume going a lot to the receivers, right? I'm with you. I have all three of those wide receivers getting 110 plus targets. Uh, the thing is that the Bengals just throw so much, right? They're one of the more pass happy teams where they're going to throw over 600 times, add in another game. Now they're probably throwing 620 times. You could take away 300 and and 30 targets, 360 targets, and you're still going to have 240 left over for Uzama mix in obviously the, the rest of the depth chart and whatnot. But I don't think we need to worry about a volume concern. I think it'd be, is there another running back who's going to steal that that 
passing game work? Are they going to take him off the field on third down, right? Because that's where Giovanni uh, came in and he got those snaps. He got those targets. That'd be the bigger concern. And I don't see that in Samaje Pirine. I don't see that in Chris Evans. That's not what those guys are known for. Uh, you have to go all the way down to maybe a Puka Williams, who's fifth or sixth on the depth chart to find somebody who fits that mold. So that's where I'm okay with that target share because it's not going to be affected by how much the wide receivers get. Yeah, I would be right there with you. Uh, I think he gets a lot more than – I mean, I think there's a path to 70 to 80 targets for him. I, I don't think that that's that's ridiculous. I think this offense as a whole uh, takes a big step forward this year. The offensive line should be better than it was last year. It's healthy. So the thing, And the best thing for him is, is simply just how much opportunity he gets. The fact that he gets, what, 85% of the opportunities last year – uh, the year before that, he was 79% of the opportunities out of the backfield. And there is nobody here. I think losing Gio Bernard is, is a big um, is a big boost for him as well. And so Joe Mixon, like, it's tough. Like, because for me, like, this range of running backs is so tough because Eckler, Aaron Jones, Antonio Gibson, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, Clyde edwards Lair, Najee Harris. You and love them all. Jonathan, and, and, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm forgetting anybody if I, if I said Jonathan Taylor or not. But – all of these guys are right there, and like it is the tough. And like I feel like that it is going to make or break your draft uh, on a nailing because some of these guys are going to be busts. All right, not every one of these guys are going to hit. We all love them right now. Somebody's going to stab you in the back, and 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 you know at the end of the year because as we know in the first two rounds there's a forty percent bust rate for running backs. Okay, and what I would say with Joe Mixon is I feel like if people are going to fail, like he's probably a guy that's in there just because he's never. We, we haven't seen that alpha season from him, right? Like, we keep waiting for it, waiting for it. He's had good seasons. He's had really good seasons. Speaking of another guy that you can get a little bit later than these other running backs, maybe a, a tear down for some of you, uh, but not for me, David Montgomery. Uh, I am the high guy uh, having him at running back 12. The rest of you all have him outside uh, running back one territory. Kev Christian, you guys are at 16. Cody, you're all the way down at 20. Fantasy Pros ranking has him at 18. I'll just I'll just kick it off because I'm obviously the extremely high guy on him, um, and, and this is kind of a similar debate uh, that we have with with Joe Mixon, where I think we saw what can happen when he gets that backfield to himself, and now we have Tariq Cohen um, not expected uh, to come back for for the beginning of the season. The the Bears saw what what David Montgomery could do in in the passing work game. Uh, and then we're just talking about one of the the more one of the more shifty guys in the NFL, right? Like if we look at his broken tackle rate, um, each year he's like in the top three of broken tackle rates. Um, he's doing he's doing all of this without getting the the workload that uh, uh, Derrick Henry or or some of these Dalvin Cook are, are getting, and he's still breaking as many tackles. And then we we always talk about the the improvement of. of a QB for Allen Robinson, right? The best QB that Allen Robinson's ever played with. It's a big upgrade for him. We never talk about that for David Montgomery. And I think that's another thing that David Montgomery is always getting hit behind the line. He has one of the, the lowest yards before contact rate, but one of the highest yards after contact rate. If you just uh, give him a, a little bit less of, of stack boxes, that's just going to be huge for his game and his efficiency going forward because he's never had a great line. Uh, they brought in a couple guys to improve that line. They're not healthy right now, but I think the quarterback improvement um, should be a, enough to help him improve it on his efficiency. So I just think between uh, how good of a runner he is and what we saw last year um, and, and then the efficiency hopefully going up and Tariq Cohen uh, maybe not coming back at the beginning of the year and he has some more of that passing workload. Um, this is a guy that a lot of us are sleeping on, in, in my opinion, and a guy that you can get in the third round um, that, that for me, is going to be a, a low-end running back one, high-end running back two. 
Since I am low man on the totem pole, I'll just jump in real quick. You were never going to hear me say a disparaging thing about David Montgomery. The The year that he came out as a rookie, he was my RB1. I had him ahead of Josh Jacobs. I had him ahead of Miles Sanders. So you're, you're not going to – this is has nothing to do with, with Montgomery, the player. But, Robbie, you were talking about, like, you know, we can see what he does when he has the, the backfield to himself. I mean, he only had 68 targets last year. Like, oh, I'm saying only because we've seen Tariq Cohen in that backfield get 71 targets hit as a rookie, 91 the next year, and 104 in 2019. The the, the offensive line, Tevin Jenkins was supposed to be there, the, the big guy coming in to help fortify the offensive line. I don't know if he's practiced yet. I know he was dealing with, uh, dealing with an injury. The upgraded quarterback, I think, goes to help you know, Allen Robinson more so than it's going to help the 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 run game until maybe Justin Fields gets in there. But now we have uh, Kev. I know I'm speaking your language here. Darnell Mooney, second year increase coming. I mean, that guy had a close to 100 targets last year. I think we see him get above that triple digit threshold. And then uh, Cole Komet, if he can stay, take the the next step forward too. And we like I I hate. I hate it when everyone was talking about like, oh, Dave Montgomery's on the good because he had that softest baby shit schedule toward the end of the year, but that did help in terms of in terms of his production. So, and then the the guys that I have above him, I just feel just safer in terms of uh, yeah, like a, a DeAndre Swift. Like if if this is if we're talking like RB two. I think I'd rather have the upside of someone like DeAndre Swift who could you know potentially see. Tariq Cohen level, uh, you know, targets. So that that's where that comes in for me. Just the, again, tearing these guys out is so much more important than doing, you know, one to twenty four. But when it, whenever we are doing these in numerical order, we do have decisions to make. So Montgomery falling down to like back end RB two. I just see guys mm-hmm. that I like. Once we get to this point, I see guys I I think might have a little bit more upside because of their their target sea wings or you know better offensive lines or just better off uh, offensive situations in general. Yeah, yeah, I guess that that's interesting that you you list Swift as as the one with more upside with the offense that he's in. That that that's an interesting one. But I guess the the, the question targets. I throw back to you is, is the upside, right? We I think we just saw what the upside is for David Montgomery. It's a top five running back. And I get it. At some point, Tariq Cohen's going to come back. You probably don't – you won't see a four to five targets per game that he saw when, when Cohen was out. So, yeah, we're probably talking about mixing like uh, a target share or a, a target total of, you know, 60 or something like that. He's never going to be the guy to get 80 or 100. That's, um, that's probably not his game exactly. But he's very efficient with his targets uh, and – and I don't think you 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 don't need him to have more more than that for where he's going and, and where I think he could be ranked, right? Like if we're talking about just on that fringe running back one, running back two, none of those guys uh, are, are – and if they are getting more than, than 60, 80 targets, it's because they're not getting the workload on the other side, which is your, your downfall with Swift, right? He's not – he's sharing most of the work or at least half the work with, with Jamal Williams. So I, de- I definitely get get the point of, of saying there's there's certain upside with, with the PPR backs, uh, but in half PPR, I, I think the, the the volume is safe with Montgomery and then the, the passing upside that we saw that made him a running back four. Will he get that again? No. And I don't have him as running back four. I have him as running back 12, but I think a lot of people have him even farther down there. Um, and I think that's, that's just a smidge low. Yes, I'm kind of right in the middle middle of you guys. I've got him at, at 16, same as Kev, you know, four spots away from both of you guys. A lot like what Robbie said about, you know, Joe Mixon, just his consistency with that points per game every year. 
Last year, David Montgomery put up a season that's you know higher in points per game than any season Joe Mixon's had in his career. So we, we've seen a pretty good ceiling on David Montgomery from last year. And, and another thing, Robbie, say I'll echo um, the, the safe volume. David Montgomery's never had less than 242 carries in a season. So 242 and 247 back-to-back years, his first two years in the league. So the rushing volume is safe. You know, last year when we saw him getting the passing volume with Tariq Cohen out, you know, 68 targets, 54 catches, that, that's when he put up that 15.9 fantasy points per game and was really able to carry some of our teams. So Cohen is slow getting back from that injury, you know, so it, it, it seems like Montgomery's going to see the target still at least for the first half of the season. If he sees anywhere close to what he saw last year, this is a guy that's going to be a great return on investment based on where he's currently going in drafts. And it, it seems like he's kind of got this stigma to where he's like an unsexy player, like people like to hate on David Montgomery. He's kind of one of those nickelback players, if you will. You know, kind of reminds me of like Robert Woods and, and Chris Carson. These guys just bring the lunch pail to work, put up great numbers every year, and we're just like, eh. I'll, I'll fade him, you know, so I'm not going to fade David Montgomery. What we saw last year was great. And I mean, he, he's consistent. So count me in on David Montgomery. Look at this photograph. Kev, what you got? I think it's pretty simple for me that I have the, the all the running backs that I have ahead of him. I just feel like that their ceiling is higher than what he, that he is. The, the problem I have with him is that uh, some of it is the that, that second half. I mean, you can't deny it. I mean, if you look at him previously, to those games that that he week twelve right where he just went on that fucking heater, he didn't have a uh, he only had one prior to that twenty point fantasy performance. Other than that, he was seven point four, eight point seven. He had an eighteen point nine, which is okay. Thirteen point seven, eleven point nine, twelve point five, five point two, and then just fucking exploded, right? And you can't deny that the teams that he was playing. Yes, you, we can say whatever we want. Right, but the fact that he, you know, played Green Bay, Detroit, Houston, Minnesota was terrible, Jacksonville, which was terrible, and Green Bay. Like it is easy. Like I get that, but it has to be taken into consideration that hey, maybe he falls back into the guy where he's just getting you twelve to thirteen fantasy points, for, which is okay. There's nothing wrong with it, right? But that's that's definitely there. Like we're basing the opinion. I would say, or I feel like some people do with him, is that, oh, well, we're going to take this five-game sample size where previously to that, he was never anybody that was really like, oh, man, I have to have this guy. This guy's going to be a monster. I feel like he was okay. This offense has always just kind of been okay. And, you know, regardless of whether it's Andy Dalton, which I'm probably going to be Andy Dalton for uh, hopefully not very long, but it's but you never know with Matt Nagy because he's a fucking idiot of what they're going to do because Justin Fields should be starting from day one, but it's not going to happen. It's going to be Andy Dalton. And so I just feel like with David Montgomery that I like him, but I want these other guys more who I just feel like that have just a higher upside. And some of it's, it is the unknown that we have. I don't necessarily know some of these guys, uh, you know, Antonio Gibson and uh, guys like that were, Najee Harris. Like, Najee Harris is easy. You guys are all way lower on Najee Harris than I am. And Najee Harris is a slam dunk, knock it in, easy, not not have to think about type guy. That I know that he is guaranteed to get me 300 touches this year. And there is nobody else there in that backfield that's going to do anything to take that away from him. Where I don't have that same feeling with David Montgomery. He's he's a little bit below that in terms of that. Because because I do think that they're, they have brought in other running backs. Tariq Cohen is going to be involved in the passing game whenever he gets back. It's it's, it's going to happen. Is it enough to, to, to kill him? No. But I, I just think that and Damian Williams probably going to get a little bit of usage as well. But regardless of that, I don't think he has a 300-touch type ceiling that, that Najee Harris or something like that does. So all these guys that I just feel like in that range that I would just slightly prefer over him, I think he's fine for where he's going. If you can get him in the third round, 
I think it's a good pick. I think I, I think she'd be happy with it. There's nothing wrong with it. But I just don't think he has the type of ceiling uh, to get him there for me over the guys that are that are that are locked in ahead of him. Robbie, since you're the high man on David Montgomery, I will give you the uh, the last rebuttal here before we wrap up. Yeah. Okay. So that that's a the point that both you and Kev made about the schedule. I love that argument because you know who they play twice every single year? Green Bay, who Kev listed, Detroit Lions, who Kev listed, and the Vikings, who Kev listed. Those are all bad defenses that he listed. I get it. Vikings will probably be better. Lions are not going to be great. Packers did nothing to improve their run defense. And so these these bad teams are still going to be around year after year. So it's not like, oh, he's going to have uh, just 16, 17 games of straight hardcore defenses. He's going to face these defenses still. So one, I, I believe in the talent a, a little bit more than just the, the schedule narrative, but he is still going to face these bad defenses. And if that's what he does against bad defenses, sign me up uh, absolutely for where he's going at running back 18. And and I guess just just to echo again, he's one of the safest volume guys, um, which, which I think just only helps uh, his case for why I have him at that fringe RB1, RB2. Whew. There it is, the running back ranking debate show. If you're watching on YouTube, please drop some comments. Let us know who you're siding with, who is right, who is wrong. Uh, podcast, we appreciate you guys checking us out. But I do, I do want to say I think the most important thing that came out of this discussion is that Christian is a closet Nickelback fan. He he had to get that in there with you know just with him being disrespected, just like Nickelback. I, I think that is the most important thing to come out of this. Join the Discord. The, the discussions are really starting to heat up. We're talking about trades and you know ranking teams and just questions and just general general banter all day long. Subscribe, rate, review, do all that stuff for us. We really do appreciate it. And uh, make sure you're keeping it locked in here as the content is going to keep flowing from the chalice and you will enjoy.